Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. This is Robert A. Wilson with Cowboy Wisdom Radio. And I'm waiting for the guests to call in, but until then, we're going to talk about something I just expanded into understanding. And really, I grasp now. And speaking of, Kathy Cummings is my guest, and she instantly appeared. She saved my life. Good evening, Kathy. How are you? Hi, I'm just fine. Thank you. I want to introduce you to Kathy Cummings. Kathy works for works to ensure that the state Washington State Labor Council events and positions are well publicized both in the news media and within the labor labor movement. She supports and encourages local union publications and communication efforts by providing training assistance materials to labor union editors around the state. She also produces training and education videos for affiliates and coalition members of the Labor Council. Kathy joined the council in 2007. She has worked in Washington, D.C. for CNN, NBC, PBS, and in the communication department at the IM headquarters in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. She also served as an intern communication director for the California Labor Federation during the victorious Proposition 75 fight in 2006. Kathy was the recipient of a of a 2007 Tele Award for Public Service Videos. Kathy's experience has taught her, taught her firsthand the value of belonging to a union. She was released, and from the, without any further ado, we're going to bring Kathy Cummings on. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Well, thank you very much. It's really nice to be with you. Well, this is an honor and a privilege because I am an IBEW member, and I also... Kathy, this is something that I've really come to understand. How are the unions more needed in the world than any time in history with everything's going on, do you feel? Uh, well, you know, workers have always needed a voice at work, but never more than they do right now. Income inequality and wealth inequality have grown unbelievably in the past even just 10 years and um, having a labor union is really the only way to at least fight for for what's right and for workers standards and for health and safety and just for your your ability to exist if we don't have a union you're there at the will of the employer. They can fire you for anything. But then employers, most major, major, small, whatever, any kind of employers, have contracts with other people that they do business with. So they need a contract with their employees, too, so that everybody understands the ground rules and everybody can have a say in how the workplace functions. And that is also true, but Kathy, on an insightful uh, innovation, where do you think the unions really have to expand today to get people in the community view of the unions and understanding of the unions to expand into a new way of looking at the unions and to open people's eyes for a better life? 
Well, I'm a big fan of the unions doing something that they have neglected to do for many, many years, and that's positive messaging. The unions need to get out in the public and let people know how much good work they do. It's amazing when I, I always encourage unions to publicize how much charitable contributions they make, how, much, how many contributions they make to, uh, let's say, the apprenticeship programs, how they keep health and uh, you know, publicizing how they keep health and safety standards like no one else does. And unfortunately, for a long time, unions haven't focused on that kind of communication to let people understand what they really do. And, and that's hurt us because at the same time, there are powerful business forces, including the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and an entire industry of union-busting law firms that has risen over the past 40 years. So the public has heard nothing but bashing about unions. When I, when I start a class, many times I'll just say to people, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to say two words, and then I want you to open your eyes and tell me what you were thinking when I said those two words. And I'll say, labor boss. And the whole room will burst into laughter, and they'll say, oh, my God, a big fat guy sitting behind a desk with piles of money. But that's not what it is. Labor bosses are not bosses at all. They're just local leaders who are elected from the rank and file. People don't understand what unions are anymore because they've taken labor education out of the schools. Kids, you know, I've got two kids, one's 21, one's 22. They know what labor unions are because I work in them and their stepfather works in them. But they say that other kids have no idea what a union does. And all they have is this negative image because it's just been, they've been bashed and bashed and bashed for 40 years. You know, that's, that that is very far telling because that's what I've been saying. Now I've had this radio show for four years, and I've been talking about the unions have to get out of being almost into a labor labor entrepreneurial ship to teach the world that wages are the liquidity of the liquidity of the economy every week as business is a long term. But the wages aren't they the hourly wages the energizing force behind the economy do you feel well Kathy? of course yeah we all know henry ford was one of the first ones to figure that out he knew that until he paid his people enough to buy his cars he wasn't going to have the capacity to sell he had to pay his people enough money and right now we seem to have forgotten that we think oh as long as you can get away the, the one thing everybody can cut is labor costs so even though the American economy has expanded by 18% over the past decade, wages have either stagnated or gone down. And you know, we've got to pay people so that they can become, as they like, they like, you know, they used to call us American citizens, and now they call us the American consumer. Well, we can't be consumers if we're not going to be paid. 
But you know, I, I want to get away well, from the idea that unions are only about wages. Unions are the only entity out there standing up for workers. They're the you know who else is fighting for the workers against all these powerful business industries, and who else is standing up for safety on the job? for apprenticeship utilization so that we train our younger people. Those aren't business uh, line items there. Those are the things the unions are out there fighting for. And people don't see that because we do that a lot behind the scenes. But I'm trying to get people to talk about how we do all those things and more. You know, you're touching on a subject because I write a lot about, but how do the unions have to, Stop trying to follow the rhetoric of the college education system in the media and start a rhetoric where they have to change their words to fit into the unions. Like, you know, the union's the only thing that started the American dream, and it's still the only thing today that will keep the American dream alive for the blue collar. They have to begin that kind of rhetoric to open people's eyes. Don't you feel, Kathy? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and in many section sectors, we are trying that. One thing that wasn't in my bio that I um, am very involved in right now is the International Labor Communications Association. We call it the ILCA. And um, I was elected president last year, and we had um, labor union communicators from across the, our country and well, across North America because we have a lot of Canadian members as well. And, and the ILCA gets together to, to try to work together so that we can begin to get communicators to talk about this more and to push the message of unions further out there. But at the same time, as unions lose membership – and they lose the dues that they need to keep going, and they're under constant attacks from all different sides, many times the first thing to go is the communications budget. And that's where I think we're really failing. That is absolutely true. I've been standing up and saying that for the last long time in the union meeting. But we really have to start talking about... And really, high wages, and here's something I'm going to bounce off you, higher wages lower business and personal and all kinds of taxes because the more they collect in re- uh, wages, the more they can lower business uh, taxes and personal taxes for huh. other people. How do you feel about that? Well, absolutely. It's funny. I've been involved in this um just on the peripheral, I've been involved in this $15 minimum wage fight. Um, and the one thing that, that I get a little frustrated that nobody talks about is that if these now low-wage workers, as they reach that $15 an hour point, they're going to be paying more taxes. So we're going to have a bigger uh, amount of money so that we can help raise awareness and change social justice. We'll have more money in the coffers of the government so that they can do things with it to help people. 
and, and, and that's very true. But, you know, people have this ingrained imprint where hourly wages go into the bottom line, but management and CEO's wages never go into the bottom line. It's like there's a <laughs> blind spot there. And well, that is and where I say feel the unions because for every $100 million CEO out there, you know, that's twenty two thousand fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year jobs. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, just today we saw the story where um, the director of Seattle City Light, he's going to get a $120,000 a year wage. A raise, I'm sorry, $120,000 a year raise. And he's already making over $250,000. But nobody complains about that. They complain about, you know, minimum wage workers who are getting $15. And $15 isn't even enough to live on in Seattle. I have to say Seattle only because that's where I'm based. Yeah, and see, here's the thing. There used to, I don't know the number now, it used to be if you didn't make over like 17 I think it's up around $23, $24 an hour, you still take more out of the tax system than you put in. And we don't talk about that in the media. And how do the unions got to start really getting a rhetoric where the hourly wages and the hourly workers and the union wages are the backbone of the American way of life and the American dream. How do you think that would really make people open up? Because the college education system is flat out against the worker. I totally agree. Um, and and I have a little hope right now that the pendulum is swinging a bit. With Well, I watched the uh, fast food workers revolting, and I watched the... Um, the fights against wage theft coming, and I'm finally hearing the rhetoric, especially with Walmart and their low wages, and people are finally putting together the fact that as Walmart continues to pay their people so little, they rely on all these community services like, um, well, the free health care, they... um, get tax breaks, they have to go to, um, they get food stamps. So the government is actually, the taxpayers are actually subsidizing this multi-billion dollar corporation that is refusing to pay its workers. But here we are all subsidizing them. And there's a a lot of stuff written about that now. The mainstream media is the last one to pick up on that. All mainstream media right now is owned by giant corporations. I was at NBC in the, um, let's see, oh, early 80s. Um, I was there for nine years, and while I was there, like when I first got there, it was NBC News was uh, just an independent news organization whose mission was to public service so that we could get the news out. After I was there for about four or five years, GE came in and bought NBC News. 
And we think left us alone for a couple years, but then after the first couple years, man, we had everything cut. News was no longer a public service. News had to be a money-making venture. After NBC got bought by GE, uh, ABC was bought by Disney. And, and, and a while later, CBS was bought by Viacom. So these huge multinational corporations own our news. That's why it's so hard to get worker stories on there. They don't want to talk about it. And, but here's something else. You know, being in the union, and, and, and Kathy, something that has to be done with inside the union to me is, is the elected officials and members put out, they got to open the door for more communication because it seems like to me, Kathy, once they're elected, they forget the membership elected them. And that's something else that has to really be addressed is the trust in the union members to get back into trust with the leaders of the union. Do you feel that? Well, I, uh, being in the, the position I'm in now, I have to work with all the unions, and I don't work within a single one to see all that, but I understand what you're saying. But one of the things I've started doing here on a state level is bringing in all the labor communicators. Uh, we have monthly meetings, so that we're finally talking to each other. Before last year, that wasn't done. We now come together once a month, and we talk about each other's issues. We work together on things where, you know, right now we're talking about doing a positive messaging radio campaign where we'll all contribute and we'll have rank-and-file members on the radio talking about how much their union means to them and saying, you know, instead of bashing labor unions, you should have what we have. Everyone should have some kind of union. And, you know, here's something else. I give this, you know, when the unions should put up, you know, like the retirement that we get, you know, our benefits, but the retirement, they should have like a 10-year amortization of what a retirement, if they worked a steady 40-hour job for 10 years, and show people that the unions actually alleviate the tax rolls by their members being off the tax rolls. Do you feel that? Uh, well, the retirement issue is a whole ball of wax here. I am... Uh, I can't wait for our country to really wake up and see what they're doing to our citizens and what's going to happen. Unions are still the only ones, and many of them don't have them anymore, but some unions still have defined benefit pensions. You put in for your whole work life, you put in, you put in, the money's pooled and invested, it it works for you, and then when you retire you get a, a... defined amount monthly. And I was talking to somebody today. He had just moved to um, Arizona, and he said, you know, there's this guy who lives down from me. He's the salt of the earth. He was a machinist, and he has a defined benefit pension. And he didn't make a ton of money in his life, but he's got that defined benefit pension, and he can retire comfortably with that and Social Security. Now, people don't have that. I'm in my late 50s, and 
I'm lucky. I've got a defined benefit pension. My husband does, too. We'll be okay. But I don't know any of my friends that I went to high school and college with that have that. And what are they going to do when they retire? Are they going to be able to retire? You can't exist on Social Security alone. So what are they going to do? Their future is so unstable. Our country's got to pay attention to this. Because at the same time, powerful business forces are trying to cut Social Security. I don't know what they, how they expect older people to live. Well, see, that's, it's almost like they forgot. You know, the country forgot what we started in in the 1900s and where we at. But, you know, the, the unions actually in the 60s and the 70s when we had a high quality of life, 40 hours, one parent working, and yeah. to me, the unions have to open up, Kathy, and tie the lower wages, the crime, and two people working into a package where they show them higher wages will lower their taxes because it'll free the prison. Because you got to have a two-parent system, but you got to have one parent at home because there's just them moments. Does that make sense, Kathy? Well, it's it's a it was a wonderful dream but it you know that didn't it didn't work and right now there are many many households that are single mother or single father households so somebody's got to work what we need is a much better child care system so that if we can't have one parent at home which you know I grew up with that and I was I was blessed and so lucky to be able to stay home with my kids for at least the first six years. But then I had to get back to work, not only for the money, because I'm I'm a trained professional and I needed the stimulation of work. I wanted to work. But so many people don't have that option, and but they don't have good child care options either. Child care is almost, ex- <laughs> when you get right down to it, you've got two kids in child care, that's almost as expensive as college before they get into school. We need to, to address the fact that people do work. We need the workers. We need a productive society. But we need good, affordable child care. And, and with that child care can be good early learning like Head Start, which has proven to be a great success. Gives kids a leg up in their their studies. But we need flexible time. We need flexible work hours for parents. We need to, to rearrange our society so that we grasp the realities of what it's like to raise a family and and cater to that. It doesn't have to be the way it's set up now. We can choose a different path. And, you know, that's the thing. But, you know, the thing for me and what I'm really seeing, the unions aren't pressing the apprenticeship and the value of the unions themselves because what I've watched over the last 10 years, the unions used to have a quality about them, but we've lost that quality, Kathy. 
I wouldn't agree with that in all cases. And that's what I see from the inside of the union out. Mm -hmm. Well, I work with a lot of unions that that do have quality leadership, and I know that in many cases that, you know, there isn't a, uh, like a training for union leaders in many cases. Like union leaders usually rise up from the rank and file, and maybe they were, you know, in a profession that they were trained and they're very good at that profession and they got into the union and they rose to leadership, but there's, there isn't a training period for them. There's nobody that's giving them direction. You know, if we taught, you know, management, more management to labor leaders, maybe that would, that would be helpful. But there are still many great labor leaders out there who do try, but... You know, our numbers are dwindling, and the people who cover labor and the workforce are dwindling. We used to have labor newspapers. We used to have labor beats. People, people were assigned to watch what was happening with the workforce, with unions, with our society, but they're not assigned that anymore. There's all these general assignment reporters who don't know how to cover labor unions, and they don't even understand what unions are. And that's one of the initiatives I'm trying to put forth with the um, International Labor Communications Association. We're developing a program so that labor communicators can go into journalism schools to help them understand the value of having labor unions in their contact list so that they know who to call, and they can understand more what labor unions do. There's no education. Nobody knows about them. That's it's amazing. What I've been, it is. And here's what I'm really seeing is, is there is a disconnect between, there's like a line drawn in the sand between the college education and the blue collar, and they have this kind of a subconscious animosity. If you're not college educated, you can't be as smart as I am. And that is where the unions have to break into. And it's a subconscious thing. It's just a human thing, really. And that's where the unions have to break through. Don't you feel, Kathy, or is that off base? Well, I think that um, there's a problem in that Everybody's been pushing kids to college, to college, to college, and we have forgotten about apprenticeships. We've forgotten about high-skilled jobs that require your hands. We lost shop. We we lost, in, in the high schools, kids no longer, very few schools have shop where they can learn to work with their hands. They don't have home ec where they can learn to do these things and They're all tracked to college. In Germany, it's different. We could do it differently. In Germany, they take a test at a certain point in their educational career. I think it's like sixth grade or something like that. And they determine, you know, what what would be best suited for the children. Do they work on the academic track or do they work on the high-skilled labor track? And we lost that. It's funny, you know, I, le- I learned not too long ago, you know, do you know how home ec got kicked out of the classroom? You know who, was, who I, have- I hear who was behind that push? 
the fast food industry because they w- didn't want people to know how to cook. They wanted to have people eat out. You know, that <laughs> makes total sense. But, Kathy, I really want to expound on something. How are the American people reliant on computers more than the physical talent of the people? And how is that actually diminishing or I just... It's actually lowering our standard of living because we we don't have that physical presence to actually build stuff anymore. Yeah, we don't we don't make things anymore because we've allowed our corporations to offshore those jobs. They get tax breaks for offshoring jobs and setting them up in other places. It it's unconscionable that we've allowed that to happen and that it's that's still happening now when people are saying, well, boy, we really do need more high-skilled jobs. And the high-skilled jobs that we have, say linemen for electricians and or um, aerospace workers, we have, we have a lot of them here in Washington. We have a great base. We're one of the best states in well, especially, we're definitely the best state in aerospace workers, but we haven't done a good job training our kids to go into those. So we're going to, all these people are going to be retiring and we're not going to be able to get the workers. And I think that that's you know, absolutely ridiculous that we're not paying attention to that right now. We need, we do need to change our education system and, stop these things like offshoring of jobs and outsourcing and we we've got to bring the work back here because if something were to happen now just to say we got into some kind of war we depend on china to make our uniforms we depend on other countries to make our ammunition we couldn't even do it ourselves we don't have the skills and this is I, I I agree with you on that. This is a terrible situation that we've put ourselves in. You know, common sense left the country and greed and need took over. Greed did. Greed is... And, and you, is. Know, you know, Kathy, you talking about outsourcing. Kathy, we not only outsourced the jobs, we outsourced all the new buildings, all the innovation, all the R&D, and everything that went with it. It's just much more. We've outsourced future and for the kids and for our own selves. I, I absolutely agree. And, and it's this, this idea that, that snuck in that, you know, government can't do anything. We don't want any government to, to help. I did, I did a story once... Um, about California and how they built their communities and it was everything could be traced back to government education and industry working together and believing in each other let's say let's take NASA let's take the space program We poured money into the space program, thanks to JFK. We poured money, and so much technological innovation came out of that. It wasn't only Velcro. There was a ton of innovation and experimentation, and the government seeded it, the universities picked up on it, and industry blossomed 
with it. But now we've, and I don't know how it started, but we've taken a turn where nobody believes in government anymore. They say, oh, government can't be involved in that. Government can't do anything. Government's bad. Government's bad. That's not right. Government can be really good and a way to spark innovation. And and we all contribute to the government through the taxes we pay. Taxes are not a bad word. You know, taxes aren't, taxes aren't a bad word. But, Kathy, you know, I blame corporations, but, you know, I have to take some responsibility. I've let it happen, too, because of some of the things I've never done. Do you feel that? Well, uh, yeah, I think that we were all asleep for a long time, and I think a number of people are waking up now to the fact that <laughs> we need to get on the ball and move in a different direction. We have to understand. I think so many people are stuck in the, oh, well, it's that way and you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. That's just the way it is. That's not the way it has to be. We can change our society. It doesn't have to be this way. We can make the the shift in thinking. But it's you know, a difficult Kathy, thing people, to do. Yeah, you know, when people hear the word no, they stop. But you know what really the word no means? They know. But just a new it's a new opportunity. I just oh, one door like to shut. And, and right. you know the and, and something that I've expanded into, there's always a way. You just gotta be more stubborn and hard headed than the other stuff. Eh, not always more stubborn. Sometimes you have to be more cooperative. Look at it. That's as a, a better word, but you got to be collaboration in it. And that's where the unions have to start collaborating with the community in teaching the, uni- the communities how the union wages actually uh, supply Main Street with a lot of money. Don't you feel that? Oh, yeah. We And when we've developed some the, – my communicators here in Washington, we all got together and developed – um, trainings that we have done within the unions now, we're working with it. Um, and there, it's a training to show how uh, the right-to-work legislation that's taken hold in 24 of our states at this point has decimated the community because it's, when right-to-work comes in, it takes away the organization that unions provide and so you begin to lose. You begin to see that health and safety standards go down. Uh, school standards go down. Birth rates go down because you've lost that organization that the unions do provide that is an underpinning that people don't talk about, people don't see, which, yes, we have to be more proactive about making sure people understand that. But again, there's a whole industry out there that is built on bashing the unions and saying, no, they're terrible, they're just greedy. But that's not true. When a union's there, you have the cooperation and you have a connectivity that can help the community. You know, if you don't believe that, look at Wisconsin. But, you know, people that haven't worked in the South, and I've worked in the South, but, you know, the five most poverty states are the five states that take the most out of tax, the tax system, and they're all right to work. 
Washington State is the most. What's that? No, you're correct. I, you know, Washington State is not a right-to-work state, and it is still doing great. But when you look at some of those right-to-work states and what's happened, their education has gone down. Their safety standards. You know, in in right-to-work states, I think there's a 51% higher death rate on the job. 51% higher death rates. Because nobody's got the safety standards. Nobody's watching out and demanding that somebody's got to take care of this. And that's what unions do. And, you know, in a right-to-work state, when OSHA comes in and writes these big fines, they accidentally get legislated away. Yeah, because there's no organized opposition. The businesses can get in there and and um, fund, fund the politicians, and there's no competition. That's, you know, and you can see, you know, that's their goal, to get rid of the unions so that they don't have any competition and... They can get away with that stuff. And that is, but you know, Boeing's going to get a big education in South Carolina. I'm going to say that right on the radio show. Well, you know, the first six planes that came out of there were sent back here to be fixed by Everett Boeing workers. And they're constantly getting things now that have to be fixed. Well, they're going to be transferring Washington workers down there because Washington State is the number one innovative state in this country. Absolutely. Because we have high standards, we have great education, we have great apprenticeship programs. Oh, I just went to an apprenticeship conference a couple weeks ago and saw there were you know, 400 people there that are involved in apprenticeships in this state. Granted, we still don't have enough of them, but they were there, and the unions were the ones that were backing them. Unions and the workforce and, development people. And, and, you know, that's very true. And, and you know, I, you go on these job sites now, there's very few people that ain't got a lot of gray hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to be suffering a, a crisis in high-skilled workers. Yes, we are, and it's coming fast. It's coming fast, and, and those people who... You know, and people who can retire will. People who can't retire because they've lost their defined benefit packages will still try to keep working, but they're not going to get the same productivity out of them. We've got to get the younger workforce in there and trained and ready to take over. You know, Kathy, I want to be up front with you. Since 2003, when I first got in the union in 91, we could... We didn't build buildings. We crafted buildings. Now we just kind of throw them together. It is nothing like it was. And we did lose the unionism in the building because all of our older general foremen are retiring, and that was a big thing. It was the facilitation the union did on these big jobs that got them done. Oh, yeah. And they do training and again, I cannot emphasize enough the safety standards that they demand. The unions demand that in collective bargaining, safety and training. And it is so important because otherwise companies will do whatever they can to trim here or skip that little regulation there, you know. 
But if the unions are there demanding it in collective bargaining, then we're safer. Like like I said, 51% higher death rate in non-union states. You know, I worked on the city center in Las Vegas. There was 22 work. 11 workers died on the job. 11 workers died off the job. And Perini, the company down there, they had to stop building one of the buildings. They had to stop it on a certain floor because they was using under-quality steel. Oh. And that happens all the time in the right-to-work state. It does. It does. And and there's no organization then to fight it because they've busted the unions. And, and that's true. And, and anybody thinks corporate America is our friend is sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> well, there are many good corporations out there that understand. Yes, there is. And there they, is a lot they want of a, a union. And look, look at what's happening in the South right now in, um, in Tennessee and um, uh, Mississippi, where the German car manufacturers want a union in there. But it's the politicians that are saying, no, you can't have a union. But the German workforce is all unionized, and they understand that working together with your workers makes not only a better product, but a more productive company. But the politicians were the ones that were out there saying, no, we can never have unions in here. We can't have organizations. Wow. And that, you know, it's, 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 the it's a hard fog. It is. But, you know, if you change the rhetoric and make and stop chasing the the rhetoric that's being put out by, like, Fox News and them, and change the rhetoric for the people to understand, I believe the things can move forward, don't you? I believe so, and that's what I keep trying to do every day. The reporters know me when I call, and I always say, listen, who else is out there talking for the workers? Who's defending workers' comp? Who's defending unemployment insurance? Who's defending safety? And they get it, but business is powerful. Oh, it is, but you know, individuals together can move a world. Mm, as Margaret Mead said, in fact, it's the only thing that ever has. A small group of committed individuals is the only thing that has ever changed the world. You know, here's what a lot of people don't understand, Kathy. It's a very simple thing. Life is a people business. (laughs) It certainly is and should be, but we just have to keep thinking about that, and we have to shift our thinking. That's it. And, you know, it's... It's really changing the subconscious mind, and I'm a hypnotherapist, and also, and I got some books written, and I'm really starting to understand everything I've done is a subconscious reaction to a daily event, hmm. and that's what it's just changing the image of the union into people's eyes to be their friend instead of the media's image of it. Do you feel and, that? And also to make sure that people never forget that the union isn't its leadership. The leadership can't do anything without the union members. And it's a ground-up organization. And people have to empower themselves to be involved 
and be part of the union. We can never forget that because the union is nothing without the voice of all the people. And now I want to give out the Washington Labor Council. It's www.wslc.org. And you can go there and read about the unions. Kathy, well, well, we're one, out one of time. Second, but one more thing I wanted to say is that's the wslc.org is, is our official website. But if you really want to know what's going on in labor in Washington, our other website, which is our daily newsstand, is called The Stand. And it's www.thestand, no space, one word, thestand.org. It's a fabulous resource done by my colleague Dave Groves. And every day we have issues surrounding um, workers in Washington and we have links to all the news. It's really the best aggregate of news about unions, both in Washington and the nation, that you can find on the Internet. And, Kathy, I would love to have you back because this is something that's dear to my heart. In, in a couple oh, months, we talk more. Anytime. I'm happy to do it, and it's a pleasure to talk with you and your listeners. And uh, I will send you an MP3 of this so you can put it on your – you guys can do whatever you want with it. Okay. We'll put it on the stand.org. <laughs> All righty. And anyway, Kathy, thank you. And now give them some labor wisdom, and I'm going to close out the show. Well, thank you. And I want to thank Kathy for being here and all the listeners, and we will be here next week with a variety of guests because this is about innovating the country back into prosperity. And thank you, Kathy, and good night, everybody. Is that done?